0: I'm not saying it's Bigfoot, but it's Bigfoot. Firefox sells out. Use the shorts. Intel is hyper screwed. Big Brother Amazon. Border Snatch. It's art. And we chat with the mind behind Darknet Diaries on tonight's Iron SysAdmin podcast, episode 62. of paranoia. Welcome to the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. Good evening, folks, and welcome to tonight's episode of the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and I've got two of our hosts, because we can't all be in the same place at the same time ever. Uh, with me tonight, I've got Jason and Dustin. Say good evening, folks. Good evening, folks. Good evening, folks. Always, always <laughs> with the prompt. And uh, tonight we've got another interview. <clears throat> so we've lined up uh, Jack Reciter. with uh, he's, he's the host of the Darknet Diaries uh, podcast. And uh, we thought it's a pretty cool show. And a lot of our listeners might enjoy it. So if you haven't heard of it already, we thought it'd be cool to have Jack on. He can talk about his show and uh, give us some background as to where it came from and whatever. So hi, Jack. How's it going? Wait, wait, let,
1: me, let me try this 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 is honest conversations with real sysadmin's i'm jack recider this is iron sysadmin podcast <laughs>
0: that's perfect we should record that Great. as a new intro <laughs> so nice. so jack i'm i'm a big fan of the show um, i know jason listens i don't know about dustin have you just, i do yep. just say yes because he's on the show i'm, and... <laughs> I'm
2: way behind no i do i do honestly
0: <laughs> so i I'm, I'm not your usual binge listener so i haven't heard all mm-hmm. of them but i've heard like the last Several months worth at least, which has been fun so um, I guess let's start out uh, like what what possessed you <laughs> to come up with this show what what made you think this would be a cool a cool podcast
1: well, I was uh, you know I was a blue teamer so I was a uh, I was an admin for the firewalls taking care of the security for my clients and i loved hearing like really good hacker stories or stories when people were in the network hackers were in the network or you had to defend against a hacker or something happened and there's those are just so riveting to me and i wanted to hear it told in a like a really good storytelling way and um kind of like the way uh, reply all does it or this american life or somebody like that and i thought Hey, I want a show like that. Where is those shows? So I searched and searched, and I couldn't find those shows. And then I spent like three months reading how NPR makes their shows and practicing, and then making something. And then it just created. And it's was it. My friends liked it right away. So I was like, okay, I'll just keep going. I'll make some and see how it goes. And yeah, it's just it was a itch that I wanted to scratch myself. And that's how it started.
0: Well, that makes that makes perfect sense, because I, I also yeah. listen to Reply All, and I, I did notice a lot of similarities between the way you do your show and the way Reply All is done. Uh, and Reply All is done very well, so that's a compliment. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but it makes perfect sense that you sort of modeled it after them and NPR shows, because...
1: Well, uh, I, I kind of misspoke there. I meant to say Radiolab, because... What happened was when I made my first few episodes is when I discovered Reply All. And they had done a few hacker episodes themselves. Yes. And I kind of threw my hands up in the air and said, Forget this, somebody already did this. I'll just listen to <laughs> Reply All. And then um and then as I was listening to it more, I was like, this isn't the way I would make it. Mine's a little different in my head. And so I thought, okay, I, I have a still unique idea that I want to hear. I'm gonna go ahead and make it anyway. So I did have this sense of like quitting once I found uh you know other shows and stuff but Mm -hmm. i just thought i have a different experience different background different knowledge and everyone else who's making podcasts similar to this i'll be able to bring a different perspective i mean nobody grew up in the same you know trailer and the same dirt road that i grew up and as the same you know experiences i've had in life so it's like uh I could talk about the same subject, but it still have the unique unique way of presenting it. So I, I just went with it anyways, which was, was kind of a scary thing to, to think like, oh, somebody's already doing this, but I'm going to do it anyways. But I'm glad I stuck with it.
0: Yeah, I can completely understand that. Um, when we started this show, uh, as I was telling you before we got started, um, it was because I couldn't find a show like it. I couldn't find an ops-focused IT podcast. Um, and I don't know if it's cause I didn't look hard enough or cause I wasn't looking in the right places or whatever, but like two weeks after we started the show, I found the admin admin podcast, which was a couple episodes in. I'm like, did we really have the same idea at the same time or did I just miss these guys?
3: <laughs> yeah. So it's our, it's our, our, our brethren from uh, across the pond. Yeah. You guys. Yeah.
0: Right. And they're, they're another mm-hmm. good
3: show. Um, so yeah,
0: I, I can, I can completely get that. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah. Cool. Uh, so you mentioned you were a uh, firewall admin. Do you still do that or are you more yep. into InfoSec or are you like living the podcast or dream life? <laughs> uh,
1: all of it, right? So uh, I was. Uh, I, I got a job after I got my CCNA as a knock technician, in and out of routers and firewalls a lot. Um, and then I, I went specifically into security after a while there, um, just focusing on firewalls, IDSs and all Cisco stuff. I got into a little bit of a checkpoint in Juniper and Palo Altos, and then um, yeah, I was just doing that for my clients. And after ten years of doing that, I just kind of got burnt out with that company, right? The management wasn't the same; they changed and yeah. the different structure just was like it wasn't feeling right, and I just wasn't excited to come to work. But I was excited to work on this podcast because I started about six months before quitting, and I just decided to take a break, like three months break, quit my job, find something new. In that three months, see if I could get this podcast to like start bringing some kind of income that could support me to do this. And sure enough, it did make that in three months. So it made like a you know percentage of what I was making. I thought, okay, if it's if it's cracked through the wall and I've got like a crack opening, I just need to make that crack bigger and you know see if I can improve that that percentage. And so yeah, that's what I've been doing. Um, probably oh, it's about a year now since I quit my job and I've been podcasting full time. So wow. it's bringing in an income now. Wow. that's Great. that's impressive.
0: I, I have to say and,
1: yeah, sorry to to back up a little bit more. I was uh, I was blogging for the ten years I was working as a as a as a firewall admin and and talking about like all the different um, you know problems I would face, how I solved it because sometimes you're going off the map. Yeah. and this got me practicing on writing. it got me practicing on figuring out what it is people like to hear, what do people like to read, what people you know and and learning like, who's involved in like the Twitter crowd and stuff and how to market something like an article I'm really proud of how do I get it to spread and so some of this stuff was like early early learning how like how to get your ideas to spread on the internet and learning how to market things so I think that was a big help on on getting this podcast off the ground
0: well obviously you're better at that than I am because the iron system it doesn't really make us much or anything uh, but I also don't put a lot of effort into like ads or whatever so you know it's probably my own fault um, it's always been a hobby for me. Uh, is it'd, be, it'd be cool to turn that into money, but, uh, well, whatever. <laughs> Only so much time of the day. So, <clears throat> so yeah, that's really cool for you that you've been able to actually quit your job and, and podcast. That's like that's kind of a dream, right?
4: Yeah,
1: for some I think so. I mean, I, I think everyone should try to do make something creative and try to get recognized, like respected or appreciated for it because the, it's the, one of the most amazing feelings ever is to f- see someone, meet someone you don't know not like your mother or your or your girlfriend or something who's yes. like good job yeah uh, but somebody who you totally have no idea who they are and they come to you and say that I love what you're making that's yeah. that was so helpful that was so great that feeling is unlike anything ever it's it's a high better than anything and I think everyone should try to make something creative just to do do it
0: yeah I, th- I think there's days that I forget. That I do this show and I forget that people listen to it because I'll run into people at technology conferences and they'll be like, "You're that guy from Iron Cinnamon." Like, "Oh yeah, yeah, nice. I am. <laughs> I am that guy." That's <laughs> so, awesome. So it, it is. It is neat. And uh, I have another hobby that's not IT related. That's a YouTube channel, and same deal. I'll be in that crowd, and they'll be like, "Oh, you're Nate." Yeah, yeah, I'm Nate. Oh, you know me from YouTube. Oh, wow, cool. <laughs> so awesome. So um, I, we kind of touched on it now, but I don't know if you have a like a, a pitch that you give to describe to people what Darknet Diaries is, in case people haven't figured that out by this point.
1: Yeah, it's I think there's kind of three legs to it, right? It's part entertainment, part news, and part storytelling. I think is that does that make sense? Like it's hard to know where exactly yeah. what exactly I'm doing here. So I'm a little bit of a journalist, a little bit of a storyteller, and and a lot of tech as well. And so I take these these hacker stories. I love, you know, hacker stories. When when a hacker got in or when somebody had to defend against a hack or something like that, they're, they're so high stakes. You know, you're talking about sometimes millions of dollars on the line or lives on the line, and, and you know, it's all it comes down to these computers making sure they function and stuff. And so there's just so much drama there. And I think truth is stranger than fiction. So sometimes some of the stuff that happens is just so insane. And I like, let's just take that and put that into the best storytelling format I can, kind of like theater of the mind as well. I'll add some music as well to to just bring you right into it, and and you know help you escape from wherever you are and just like go into this world of like, whoa, this is this is such a crazy story, and just bring you in. So that's what the show is about.
0: Well, you do a good job of it. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm just trying to suck up to you here, but you you really do. That the I find myself listening to some of your shows, just like. I would watch drama dramatized TV that's designed to draw you in. You you do a good job of storytelling. You do a good job of keeping people uh, keeping people listening, and I, I think it, it comes out really well. Uh, yeah, I,
3: I I felt like I was in the tunnels a couple weeks ago. Yeah, right. That was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's
0: that's actually a, a good segue into uh, up. something else that I thought would be a great thing to chat about. How how do you how do you find these stories? Like how do you come up with a topic, and then a follow on to that would be how long do you really have to put into researching these things and then producing a show?
1: Yeah, so a lot of uh, the people that I, I tap on a lot of shoulders on, on Twitter and on LinkedIn and say, hey, uh, I know you were involved in something, can you can you talk about it? And some of these people gave talks at DEF Con or other security conferences, so they've already shared their story and I'm like, just share it again with me, please. And uh, so that's one way, um, you know, being in this environment. For, for 10 years, you know, keeping your eyes on the news and stuff, you hear about big hacks and big big things that go on. So some of those bigger stories, like Stuxnet, for instance, you know, absolutely have to cover that, um, because those are such amazing stories. Um, so some stuff just bubbles up into the news. And then, um, yeah, I just tap on a lot of shoulders, because they look, you can kind of tell when somebody looks the part of like, I know, like, Former NSA agent, current red teamer, CSO of some, you know, thing. Like, okay, you've got stories, buddy. I'm sure you could, you've got stuff that is so unbelievably crazy. Uh, what do you got? You have anything you can share after we scrub out any identifying information? You know, and I'll ask questions like that. And most people just don't have anything. They don't respond at all. But then, you know, sometimes I get people who do have stories. Um, and then at other times, listeners bring me bring me stories as well. Um, and then I think what I've been using lately is um, Google, uh, Google Alerts. So I'll, I'll have alerts for, like, hacker died or biggest hack alerts. ever. And, um, keyword alerts,
2: right? That's what you're referring a to? Keyword
1: alerts, yeah, Google yep. Keyword Alerts. Very and, handy. Uh, and these will bring me the craziest stories, especially, like, hacker sentenced or hacker
4: caught. Oh,
0: right. Uh,
1: because we hear about this hack and then, like, eight years later the hacker's caught and we don't really – that doesn't hit our news cycle, right? And so i love it when the story's over when the hacker's caught and sentenced and in prison or whatever the the situation the story is completely over uh, then i can tell it from the beginning all the way to the end and that's when i think we are we learn the most because you a lot of times in our news we just hear about the hack and we don't hear about the fallout the aftermath the, the impact the cost uh, how many people got fired who got quit like I want all that laid out to me in one solid storyline, and not have to look at the news for six months to like learn it all and get lost in where where we are in the story.
0: And having a close to the story makes it easier to tell as a story as you're doing it in your show.
1: Yeah, right? I, some things when I look for a story, I look for a beginning, middle, and an end. Right, so I want to know how does it end, and and if it's still going on or something, there's no end there. A lot right. of people send me they send me like a hack that's in progress. they're like, You have to cover this. Cover this now. Why aren't you covering this? Why aren't you doing an episode on this? I'm like, we gotta wait for three months to figure out what happened here. Yeah, because in I that respect, can't
0: find out. Yeah, in, mm-hmm. the, in that respect, you're not a news show. Like we we cover news on this show to that point, right? It's oh there was a hack here. Or oh, this is this is what happened in the hack, or you know, this this is the outcome of the hack. We we covered a piece at a time as it's released to us. You wait for the whole thing to unfold and then you tell it mm-hmm. all as a story. And that's that's a really cool approach. Yeah, it's
1: different. You know, it's kind of a slow news cycle as well. Like when Stuxnet happened, we didn't learn like all the details of it till like eight years after, like yeah. exactly who did it. And when Snowden started releasing stuff and when, um, you know, generals started leaking information, like years and years went by after all this happened before we even understood like it took months before we even thought who it was right and then it took years to figure out who was really doing it and then putting all the pieces together is like a decade later so it's it's only then that we can fully grasp you know what these whole stories are about and I think those are the important ones to really digest is when when you know it all and you can hear it from the beginning to the end and another big thing I like to look at is people who are there and part of it and get their voices on it because then that get, gives you get to that sense of intimacy and that that human connection of like, oh, I was so scared when I hit enter, or I wasn't scared, I was so excited when I hit enter, and you know all these things that that goes through us as a human when we're when we're tackling these things. I, I love that part of it as well.
0: Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> even though I work in ops now, um, and I think Jason, you have a similar memory to to what I do when when I was first getting into IT when I was first like, dabbling with these computer things, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, like, that that moment where you're not sure if the thing you're doing is going to explode or not. And the stories you're telling bring that back in me. Like, they, they remind me that, you know, of that time when, you know, I was trying to compile my first kernel and I wasn't sure it was going to compile, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that feeling of success. Except this is on a whole different level where it's like you're talking to, to red teamers who are about to get arrested (laughs)
4: Mm -hmm. (laughs) or
0: whether they're going to be able to, uh, you know, get into the building they've been paid to try to break into. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool. I it's, it's, it's kind of fun how that brings that back. Uh, so Jason, I don't know if you've been waiting to try to ask anything that you had. Did you have any questions lined up as
3: well? Oh, you you started like stomping all over my questions. Sorry. I'll no, no, that's, it's all good. Um, (laughs) So at the risk of uh, uh, choosing favorites, um, I mean, what you've done, 40 episodes now. Um, yeah. What was what was the most challenging one to, to sort of put together
1: that the most challenging? OK, if you're going to ask me the favorite, I was, I was going to spend five minutes thinking about it because I don't know a good favorite. It's so well, hard. So of many it. of them are good.
3: That's next. Yeah, that's that's sort of the go-to question that I hear a lot. And, and I, I figured I'd change it mid-flight because it yes. would be cliche.
1: The most challenging was this episode called Finn. And it's about a 17-year-old – actually, I think he was 15 or 16. And he was in his four, his third period class in high school. And from the tablet of his high school – of of his of, in the back of class, he hacked a, uh, into the school's network. Uh, there's two Wi-Fi's. He got into the you know the teacher's Wi-Fi and not the one he's supposed to be on, and got into the principal's computer and got access to the principal's passwords and got access to the principal's Twitter and the school's website and all this stuff all in third period class. Wow! And I thought to myself, this is a, this is this is such a good story to begin with because it talks about the crappy stories that we don't ever want to tackle as as <laughs> security people or admin people of just like schools, getting hacked by teenagers, or or, or even like swatting, like this is such a crappy attack (laughs) that I hate. Like, there's no like, I don't even want to try to solve it because it's just so stupid. And so I'm like, okay, this needs to be talked about because this is happening all over the place. And so that was one thing. But then I it was so hard because this is a 15 year old. And how do I how do I tell this 15 year old story without making him sound Awesome or great or amazing because yeah. I really like to trade to be neutral and so I'm giving him this spotlight to tell me about all the hacking he's done, and he's telling me the story, you know, on the show, and uh, it was just such a struggle to balance it in a in a very fair way, doesn't lean on his side and, and tries to present it as honest as I could. Um, that one spent probably about eighty hours putting together because I i had about four hours of dialogue of talking to his mother and talking to him. And that was another thing, if I'm gonna cover it, I need to get his mother approval because right. he's just a, a you know, a minor. a minor. And then I said, well, why not? Let me talk to your mom. <laughs> so I'm asking this hacker who's on Skype, let me Can talk, I talk to your, to your mom. mom? <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that went for like her. an hour. You know, she was She was like, how do you defend against this? This is a, a kid who knows how to bypass every parental control in my house on the computer is like I am so lost on how to take care of him and she sounded so desperate it was amazing to talk to her and yeah that one just i don't know it, was, it took so much effort and it and to me it's an amazing story because it, he was so brave to talk about it he can explain things so well his emotions and everything that went on through it and uh, yeah. a lot of people think that he is just some jerk kid that you know doesn't deserve you know the recognition on any of this but um, it's a problem that I think we we need to face and talk about. So I, that's why I want to bring it to light.
0: Well, the thing the thing people don't seem to understand. I mean, <clears throat> that could have been any one of us on this show when we were in high school, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, that was like, me. I I dabbled in the same thing, right? I didn't do anything malicious, but like I was curious, and I I went around and you know I I had. Access to things I shouldn't have. I had passwords that I shouldn't have had. I, I was, I, I learned how to lockpick on the, 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 the chintzy locks they put underneath our desks to keep us out of the wiring. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And, and this was all just like stuff I did because I was curious. Right. <clears throat> that kid was doing the same thing. Well, yeah. maybe he was. I don't know. I didn't hear the episode, um, but I'll have to go back and listen to it now. It sounds really cool. A lot of people said that oh, same
1: thing. They're like, I, I resonate with him because I was, this, I was the go to IT person in my family. Yeah, you know when your mom is asking you for IT help, and then your mom is trying to put parental controls on some on your to keep you from doing it. Like it just doesn't add up, right? So I mean, that's and that's,
4: those
1: it's also those locks really crack me up. Sorry to interrupt, but I no, remember no, those no. locks as well on my desk, and those are wafer locks where you don't even need like a key. You just need to kind of jam anything in there. Yeah, and so yeah, like a five or a nine year old can totally just jam something in there and feel like they're picking locks. But it's, uh, it's kind of cheating because those kind of locks are, are super easy to pick.
0: But it's, it's like anything. When you're teaching a kid to do something, you give them the easiest thing they can do, and then they move yeah. up from there. It sparks an interest,
1: right? Yeah, yeah.
0: So when you're teaching a kid to program, you put them in front of Scratch because they can just like click and drag and, you know, oh, I'm programming. Well, yeah. no, you're not. But yeah, you are, I guess, <laughs> right? It teaches them the fundamentals. So, you know, for me, that experience in high school was like it. I didn't know InfoSec was an industry. Like when I got out of high school, it was like, okay, if you want to do computers, you need to be a programmer or you need to be a sysadmin or you need to be a network operator. So I picked sysadmin, (laughs) right? Like Uh I didn't know InfoSec was going to be a thing. Um, And then by the time I got my career built, it was like, I'm already too, I don't know. Anyway, I don't want to talk too much about me. I've talked about this on the show in the past, but excuse me. I'm sorry, guys. I have this head cold thing going on. Um, I was going somewhere with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, lost. Oh, I know what I was... It's as as a parent, right? So my dad was a technology guy. He ran a telephone company. He was a communications guy. So uh, you would think that me... I mean, like, he worked with our local ISP to help get them off the ground because he understood networks, he understood telephone, right? Like, the place that Jason and I eventually worked, my dad helped found. Right, not that I'm gloating. I'm just saying he was a technology person. So, like, we got on the internet early, like 92, 93... Because he was like beta testing their network, right? And then you'd think that at me as a kid, I'd be like locked down because my dad knew all this stuff. Well, I worked all around all his stuff because I was curious and I wanted to get to stuff that he wouldn't let me get to. And I'm pretty darn sure that my kids, who aren't old enough to figure this stuff out yet, are going to do the same thing to me when they get to that age. And to be honest, I almost welcome the challenge. I'm looking forward to... (laughs) <laughs> to my kids, mm-hmm. uh, sort of getting that curiosity and and trying to circumvent boundaries. Maybe that makes me a bad parent. I don't know. But <laughs> you can always
2: have a in, uh, a home capture the flag contest.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, you no. Can...
3: It's it, it it's it's fun. Um, my my kids are a bit older. Right. Um, I've got I've got yeah I've got my my older kids who who aren't so much into computers, but um, my youngest is uh. Uh, he's given talks at, at conferences um he's actually working uh, at a conference this year um he runs the um, the the spawn camp at, at a conference he's been doing that for a couple of years and he, he every day is a challenge every day he's into something and it's always a it's always an internal conversation trying to figure out, you know, like, do I, do I encourage this? Do Do I I scold him? Do
0: I lock him out? Or do I try to show him the right way?
3: You know, like, (laughs) you know, you get a text message. She's like, guess what? Like, uh, I don't know what it's like. The the router password at school is password.
4: Mm -hmm. Do Do I
3: say good job for figuring it out? Or do I say, uh, stop. No, you, great you, tell
0: power him, comes great responsibility. you tell him to change right. it and give it to his instructor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, I did it to the
4: Neighbors Network
3: too. So, so yeah, no, I, 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 that's, that, that was, I, I don't think I've, I, I think I've heard all of the episodes around that one and not that one for some reason. Do, okay. do you know which, which um, episode
0: number that one is? 17. 17, cool. I'm going to have to go look that up.
3: <laughs> yeah i i had started bounce i had i don't remember when i started i think i i think it's because i started like right after that um that i started listening and i've, I've been going back and sort of looking at some of the previous ones um you know I, I i know jason street so of course i listened to his episode um and then i happened to listen to the two the the about manfred um which uh nate you're a gamer you should really listen to the two the two of those manfred um, okay Manfred. He's a, he's basically a troll, a um, oh. gaming, gaming troll. And it, it, the whole story is just really hilarious. Um, troll for hire. He gets yeah. money in
1: being a troll. That's the fun yeah. thing.
3: Wow. Yep. An industrious troll. <laughs> the one that I listened to um, that really sort of, I happened to be in, in that world at the time was the, uh, the one about Mount Gox. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know Ins and outs of Mount Gox. I know probably like a bunch of information from people that were involved, and, and I, have, I was involved with somebody who was involved with it, and they, there was all sorts of insanity going on. Um, but you, you pointed out a piece of information in there that I didn't know that did sort of both is absolutely hilarious and describes crypto so perfectly well. And that is what Mt. Gox stood for originally. Um, w- with the domain, and that's the, the Magic of the Gathering online exchange. Oh, um, yes, I did. I, and I forget if I, I heard just, the
0: episode or if I just knew that. I don't remember now. Okay. Uh, all, Sorry, continue. All I
3: could think, like the, I, that came through and I went, oh, well, that explains crypto right there. That's pretty much all there is to it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that uh, that was the idea that he had before making the website, and that idea fell through, and then he's like, well, I got this domain. I'll, I'll, I'll make a Bitcoin exchange on MTTOX.
0: Sure, why and, not? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: So we have a question in our uh, YouTube chat, which I figure I'll pass along to you since you're here. Um, Digital FX is asking: uh, Are you concerned that you're going to run out of good content or interesting stories to tell? Or
1: Absolutely there... opposite. Yeah. There are so many stories that come to me that I just keep throwing in my, uh, you know, f- bookmarks that I cannot keep up with. There's so many out there, and there's always a new breach coming out, and there's always a new hack. And for a while, I like I go on these ups and downs of like, oh, I've got too many, and then I've got I've got desert, and we don't have enough. Um, But there's, I mean, it's just endlessly coming out of new stories and new hacks, and there's always people with new experiences. That uh, it's 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 exploded recently, and I've got just too much stuff to work on. Uh, The thing that I have trouble with is getting people who were there to talk about it. And I have like a list of, um, you know, big things like shadow brokers, Mirai, botnets, these things. And I need to find somebody who was there who had that experience because that's the part that I think is the greatest part is when um, when I get someone there. And that's what makes it hard uh, to, to get that. And it's hard. I don't know. That's the hard part of it.
0: Trying to get that firsthand experience, trying to get someone who really knows and they're not just reciting what they read in the news.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't like uh, experts coming on so much. I've done it once or twice, but for the most part, I try to keep them off. And I get a lot of emails from, uh, from assistants to CEOs saying, "Oh, our CEO is an expert on this thing, and we want to have him on your show." I'm like, "Do you have any? Like, do you have what my show's about?" I mean, it's not just security, but probably if, not. If you want to talk about it, if your CEO wants to come on my show and talk about a breach that they've experienced on their on, of their company, I will be happy to listen to that whole breach talk, but. I doubt they're going to want to do that. They want to be experts in this thing or that thing, and
0: you know, yeah, like right. That. They they that want to be on the show for though. exposure or something, right? Instead, yeah, yeah.
2: Some, some some leverage. But it would be interesting though if you actually could have an honest conversation with some c level executive that went through you know one of these incidents. It would be pretty interesting to see like you know did their did they have the proper planning in place? Is their BCP processes correct? Like are they are they when like it's one thing to simulate these type of scenarios, but when it actually occurs, like. How how did it go? <laughs> how, how well did everything execute? You know, it'd be a pretty interesting uh, topic,
4: for yeah.
2: conversation to have.
1: In uh, in episode three, I talk about the TalkTalk breach, and what's mm-hmm. what's interesting about that is the CEO of the company. It's a UK mobile provider. Um, they uh, they were very much on BBC and. And doing television interviews like days after the hack, like this is what I know and this is what we're doing. And I was just like, this is amazing to have this, yeah. this insight into what's going on, you know, from from the breach perspective of the CEO, like that's it's incredible. Huge.
4: Yeah, right. You know, that's pretty cool.
2: That. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty cool that they're transparent or tried to be transparent. I mean, as much as they could. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. You don't yeah, see I mean, much, much of that.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely there's definitely CEOs out there that would, do it they're they're pretty rare they're allowed (laughs) well i arguably the ceo can um but you know i mean it it, i would i'd be interested in with the the reaction to that you know does that does a ceo being candid like that and putting something out like that is that is that a positive for the company is that a negative i mean they say you know there's no there's no bad press but i mean
1: yeah, I'm personally, I think security has to start at the top. And if the CEO takes focus and a focus and, a, you know, starts the initiative of like, this is our this is how we're going to be secure. And this is what I know about security. And this is what I'm going to put in place, then that's going to trickle down a lot better than somebody in the IT department trying to go upwards and say, hey, we need to secure this and that and the other thing and the, the C level people are like, yeah, that's on you, man. I'm not <laughs> what like whatever? Uh, oh wait, you, you want s- you
2: want capital for that? Come on, yeah.
1: Like it's, you want
2: money?
4: What?
1: It needs to go the other way, and so uh, I think it would be really good for a C level person to uh, explain, like, uh, do a, po- a post mortem a of mortem of the of the breach that they've experienced, and and just hear it broken down. I think that would do really well for for users and and investors and everything. Like, hey, let's, let's be honest about this. The thing about the Talk Talk breach is that the, they were under. Uh, some sort of uh, UK law that because they're a utility provider a mobile provider that they had to uh, disclose this stuff publicly when there's a breach and not all companies do need to disclose when there's a breach they can keep it depends on their terms and conditions or, or local law or whatever and so there's a lot of companies that get this breach and they never talk about it but yeah one that was in the news and got breached officially yeah, it would be nice to hear what you know all the details
3: yeah that one was um, there's a uh if i remember there was a bunch of controversy about that one um there was another another podcast that i listened to i'm looking for it now um cyber investigations that had done a whole bunch of stuff about the talk talk hack um I, I think i think maybe they've gone dark they didn't last long but um they uh in listening to that it sounded like you know they definitely thought there was something a little bit more than what was being publicly uh uh pronounced um and they had done a bunch of, of extra research into it so so I mean yeah, that, there may there may be more to the story.
1: That was a that's a very interesting podcast you mentioned because that that person who makes that was one of the lead investigative journalists for the whole talk talk breach. So he had probably more information than anyone researching it. And so yeah he spent like four hours <laughs> talking about that. It's like a three part episode everything yeah, he knows about yeah. that breach. And it was really interesting, very interesting,
3: yeah it was I mean it was like that was a like good, good podcast. they haven't put anything out since December of last year, so mm-hmm. um, you know, but it looks like they they had gone dark for like four months before that as well, so who knows um, yeah it's not that uncommon, but that is a long time four or
0: six months. you start to yeah. lose listeners after that
3: <laughs> so so what what? Uh, I mean, you touched on this a little bit, but what are the hallmarks of a good story? I mean, you know, uh, it sounds like, you know, having somebody who's has first-hand experience, but, uh, you know, are there, what, what makes you jump to, to dig into a story versus, you know, kind of look at it and go, well, that sounds neat, but it doesn't look like it's going to be that great of a story to deal with.
4: So
1: I took a lot of, uh, Oh, here's the book. I've got a book here called out on the wire. For anyone who wants to learn how to do storytelling and um it's written by a lot of people from uh, from npr uh ira glass is on the cover and you've got uh, roman mars and uh, glenn washington and the people from radiolab and they all explain they all have different answers to this um and i think alex bloomberg is in it too from gimlet media but this was before gimlet was around but um they talk about a lot of them have a certain kind of formula and this is kind of what i used to to start things out with, as well, is uh, the formula kind of goes like this: uh, This is a story about X, but Y happens instead. And this formula is really good because it 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 outlines what it is you're going to tell the story about. This this X, right? But the, there's this word "but" in it. But this happens instead. So, you know, if if you're if you're trying to if you if you try and go to somewhere and you have an accident, right? Well, this is a story about when I tried to go to the store, but instead. I got in an accident right so it kind of lines up the thing and like okay I, you have this goal you have this mission but something's keeping you from getting to that mission that that thing and I think that really helps understand you know things uh, I like to have things where you expect one thing to happen but then it something else happens entirely um, so I want to have a story that have multiple twists where you never would have expected that to be part of the story um, those really are good if there's if there's only one twist, it's probably not good enough for my show. I need at least two. Four is like even better. Like it's just the more twists, the better. Where you're just like, I, this is insane that this just keeps getting crazier because that's what keeps you more and more glued of like, what's going to happen next? I just totally have no idea what's going to happen next. I got to know what's happening next. And but you have this mission from the beginning like, this is a story about X. Okay, so this is what our mission is, right? So you know, those are kind of the, the aspects of storytelling that I, I kind of put together in a formula. And uh, you know, build it out from there.
3: Yeah, that was that was the the tunnel episode from two weeks ago was definitely like that because I listened yes. to the intro, <laughs> and then then you started down the path of of talking about what was going on, and I, I actually had to like, I rewound the entire episode, rewound, I, I restarted the episode, because um, I was like, wait a minute, what? I, I'm confused because <laughs> this is not what you introed. Um, yeah, when when and, you're talking
0: about he built a bomb shelter i'm like oh okay people do that like especially eccentric millionaires or whatever and then as you're describing it i'm like wait wait what he's in like this shack and he just dug a hole in the side of his basement wall he yeah. started digging tunnels and this happened in maryland
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that was that was one of those stories where it's like little bits of the news just kept popping up and it's like well daniel's now you know in his in, in day two of trial and it's like well Day two of trial does not tell you that this guy started eight years ago with thermite in his backyard yeah. trying to figure out how to burn hard drives and speaking at DEF CON and all this stuff. Like this news article this one this three paragraph news article doesn't do anything justice. And so I had to take probably like forty news articles on that one and stitch it all together because this kid got arrested for hacking at his university and he was taught he spoke at ShfuCon and TEFCON and he had all like an amazing for for a guy who tried to be as secret as he tried, he had an amazing presence on the internet. <laughs> yeah, it was right. all over the place.
4: Right.
0: It's funny. I the first thing I did when you kept you, you recited his his uh, address a couple times, probably I assume because it was public knowledge because of the news articles. I Google Maps mm-hmm. it just to get a satellite view of the thing, and it's like you wouldn't even know. <laughs> You're yeah. looking at it like it's just an average little house.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think I I threw it into Google and got a uh, a realtor site for it so you know if you want to buy the house oh I mean, awesome yeah. could you buy I, I thought you said it was condemned or something
1: uh this the county's trying to get it torn down so that's one of the reasons i think i'm pretty sure that it's going to be torn down and that's one of the reasons why i thought it was okay to publish it because it's not going to be there long yeah right and uh yeah it's just it's gone it's so, gone it's, it's also in
3: all the articles so yeah right yeah, it's it all, all over all the place I, uh, yeah, and I,
1: I struggle with that, too, of like, am I giving to like, did I research this too far? And I'm pretty much doxing this person because I'm giving him his address and his real name and all this stuff. Like, this is a secret hacker. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, if it's in if it's in court documents and it's in news articles, right. then I am fine doing that. It's one of those things I had to learn from no experience in journalism to like figure out what is ethically OK
0: here. Right, so I guess in, in that case you were using mostly what was public knowledge already, anyway. Mm-hmm. In that case, you didn't have any interviews, did you? You you just, if I remember correctly, you were you just stitched the story together on your own, right?
1: Yeah. So with that one, I actually hired someone to help me write it, and so you do all the research, give me a rough draft, and then from there I was able to take it, and that was really good to kind of you know have two things going on at once, and that's how that's how good this show is going. I can actually afford a writer now, so awesome. uh, things are going nice. well. Congrats links um and and so yeah she gave me that and it was all written out we had some some YouTube clips of some interviews and stuff but yeah I had nobody interview but um just uh, the other day the guy who was helping dig the tunnels the first guy Doug Hart he emailed me and said I'd like to uh talk to you about what you got wrong and so I'm going to do a follow-up <laughs> interview with him wow because uh yeah he says he was down in those tunnels and uh, he has a lot to say so I'll we'll do I'll, I'll get That's that cool. out and add that to the show.
0: Well, you heard it here first, folks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's pretty cool. So um, I guess you don't really do a lot of like expose stuff uh, where you could be treading on somebody's privacy like that. But, I mean, are there any episodes you've created where you're actually worried that someone's going to hunt you down and say, why'd you dox me, or why'd you do this, or why'd you release that story?
1: Yeah, when I was doing the the Las Vegas Sands hack. So this was when... uh, I heard that one. Yeah, uh, Iran, Iran hacked into the casino, and I wanted to know what their security was like in the casino. And they're tight-lipped about it. They're not saying anything. The news articles aren't saying anything. And so I went crazy on an OSINT journey here, and did like so much look, looking in who works there on LinkedIn, and then taking those names and saying what do they, what are their Reddit profiles like, what are their uh, st- Stack Overflow profiles like what questions are they asking? And now I'm seeing questions like, okay, we have Oracle 12 and this is the problem I'm facing. And I'm like, okay, so they're running Oracle and this is the stuff. And then, and at one point I even found somebody, a, a past, um, senior manager had put on one of their websites that they own. Uh, these are all the skills I have. And I, and I just quit working at Las Vegas and I've been there for 14 years. And so I'm like, okay. so obviously Las (laughs) Vegas Sands has all this equipment because this is what you're good at.
0: Yeah, right. And he's got a really active hobby. Yeah. And (laughs) it was exactly
1: like what kind of uh, time, uh, you know, punch card systems they have, what kind of uh, Citrix machines they use. What, Like exactly like it was pretty much his resume. Right. And if I'm looking at, you know, senior security or a senior IT manager's resume. uh, Yeah. I, I got a pretty good idea of what's in Las Vegas Sands, but I felt that that was too far. And I didn't put all that in the episode. I did what I call one layer of research. If I could just do one Google term or like one thing like on on uh, LinkedIn, if it was just there on somebody's LinkedIn profile, I thought that was okay to publish. But if I'm taking that and then twisting that and then pivoting from there and then going and taking that and put you know putting extra data together and then finding stuff, I thought that was just too far. So I thought one, one degree of research is what I was comfortable
2: with in that one. So so research not actual reconnaissance.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. And yeah, that's a really crazy ethical question of how far does a as a journalist should go to get the story.
0: Yeah, and I I'd say you did a pretty good job. You, you you did mention that in the in the episode, but you didn't go into detail, which as soon as mm-hmm. I heard it, I knew why, <laughs> and that's exactly yeah. just describe exactly why. <laughs> so, Jack, so yeah. yeah,
2: are, are you familiar with uh, Recon NG by chance? No. Oh, okay. I was going to say, would would using a tool like Recon NG be too far? <laughs> because you can you could leverage like APIs on uh, Shodan, Instagram, and there's different tools for researching like IP addresses that uh, relate to you know specific images or uh, as far as like if you're talking Instagram things like. Um, oh, sorry.
4: My son. That sounds
3: really cool. It's basically um, a, yeah, it a tool blueprint.
0: that's meant that's meant to do a lot of the legwork that you're doing, except doing
3: it yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah it's yeah, kind of it's kind of like a more modern multi-go. Okay.
1: Hmm. Um, I will check into that.
3: But I mean, it, it's interesting to
1: see how this line shifts because ten years ago, um, if you were to, I mean, online dating wasn't even like a big deal ten years ago, right? And if you were to like. Google someone's name when you start dating them. That's almost in the creepy zone. If you start yeah. if you start trying to find their Facebook before they like friend you up on Facebook or something. That's almost in the creepy zone. Like checking them out on social media before you you know you you tell them you're checking them out on social media. Like you, you you come out and say, hey, can we connect on Facebook? And that's how you connect with someone on Facebook. But if you say, oh, but if you just go there and start snooping on them, and cre- that's creepy. But now in 2019, it's perfectly fine to creep on people as much as you want because that's just like the norm that's, now. Yes, and, yeah. I mean, and I- so what you, Sorry, just to put it together here, you ask, you know, is, is re- ResearchNG or whatever you said too far? Probably now, but in five years it probably won't be too far because we have all this public information and OSINT just becoming such a big deal that it's like, okay, you've had like 10 years of warning not to put this stuff online. Now when I do OSINT, it's it's okay as a journalist to do it to, to say all of what I found.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, I mean I can remember it wasn't that long ago when uh prospective employees were complaining that prospective employers were checking them out on Facebook before they hired them. And now mm-hmm. that's just like, yeah, that's part of the hiring process. We look you up and we see what you do. Yeah. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. So <laughs> All right. Well, we're creeping up on 45 minutes. We want to be respectful of your time, and um, obviously, you said you weren't feeling well. We don't want to hold you up too long. So, I don't know. You have any closing info that you want to share with the listeners? Whether it be either where they can find your podcast, where they can find you know, connect with you on on social or whatever. Anything you want to plug?
4: Um,
1: <laughs> you know, just just check out the podcast if you haven't listened to it. I've got so many more good stories coming out. Uh, the podcast is called Darknet Diaries. Um, you, if you were to ask me what my favorite one is, it's the one I'm working on that I've been working on for like four months now. It's so amazing. And so I've got to kind of put through – got to kind of hurry up through some of these uh, lesser exciting ones to get to some, uh, to some get time to work on some of these big ones. So um, the, the best ones are still coming out. I've got more uh, people joining the team, and it's just going to get bigger from here. So um, it's lots of really good stuff coming in the future. I'm super excited to show you. But in the meantime, just check out the Darknet Diaries podcast.
0: Well, I'm really excited to hear that because I've enjoyed what you've done so far. And if you're excited about what's coming, I can't wait to see it. Or hear it. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for joining. And uh, we hope you feel better. And I hope uh, many of our listeners check out your podcast. All
1: right. Have
2: fun. All right. Thanks. Get better, Jack. Nice talking to you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah.
0: Have
3: a good one. All right. Play that play that funky music.
0: Yeah, I'm afraid to now because the the last time I played music, it was really really loud. Let's see.
3: That wasn't bad. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh uh for the listeners um we'll post in the show notes uh a link to that book a link to dark Knight diaries absolutely and uh uh a little OSINT later i found the absolutely. blog he mentioned so we'll put that in there too <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that was that was fun i uh i didn't know what to expect
3: and it, it was it was a good good interview i i his his home address and phone number are we is that was that the? Final, Nate, I only no, hear you or talking. Do we have to wait a little Jason. while.
0: You don't hear Jason. I hear Jason.
3: <laughs>
0: awesome. Oh, great! Oh, awesome. I
2: can't hear anything he says.
0: <laughs> okay, Dustin. So you're gonna have to do what Jason always has to do and log out and back in and see if it comes back. <laughs> and
2: if
3: not, i
0: will
2: be right back. <laughs>
3: So so as I was saying, it's home address and phone number. That's Are we within that five years where we shouldn't do that? Or <laughs> Oh, no.
0: You got to wait a couple years and then that'll be perfectly fine. <laughs> ah, OK. OK. Gotcha. <laughs> because gotcha, gotcha. it'll all be well, in some data breach somewhere anyway.
3: <laughs> oh, it already. Yeah. Well, well, how do you think I found? I mean. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> well, well, how do you know it's from a data breach, Jason? It's just data. So can you two hear each other now? Are we good?
2: Yeah, yes, good. I heard data breach. How do did you know I didn't find it from a data breach?
3: <laughs> Chrome. Uh,
4: <laughs> no, I blame Hangouts uh, on Air, which is... Actually,
3: I'm not using Chrome.
4: Of course oh, you're not.
3: This, this, this is why they're getting rid of Hangouts on Air, because of that specific situation that has only creeped yeah. up in no. the past couple of months. Obviously... UDP is
2: hard, Jason.
0: Listen, obviously the, the IT team at Google... Listens to Iron They have seen the troubles we have with Hangouts on Air, and that's why they're decommissioning it. Never mind the fact that they're not replacing it with something that does the same thing.
2: <laughs> you know they, they don't have Duo as a, a browser application, do they?
0: Can you use Duo in a web browser? Duo in a web browser.
2: Yeah, I've never tried it. That's their voice video call thing. Oh, that's you don't the mean the phone? you don't mean the
0: multi-factor Duo. thing. You mean. No. no,
2: not Duo the company, a Google Duo. Yeah, the face or yeah, the face, jeez, the video chat.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I've I've actually never used it. I don't know. Oh, sorry. Okay. So, um, yeah, well, you, we'll we'll talk about that some other time. But we're we're gonna have to move away from Hangouts on Air, and I have a, a solution I think that we're gonna have to try. So, anyway.
4: Yeah,
3: um, listeners, just so that you're prepared for this, uh, you're all gonna need um, a, a tin can, and depending on where you live. Uh, a small amount or a large amount of string. So, if you well, honestly, um,
0: I recommend something with a higher tensile strength than string because you're going to have to make it really tight to make the so like, sort of to make the vibration carry long enough. It's like, so like
4: fishing line, of maybe. Some sort, well, I'm, I'm thinking of, like like different...
0: some wire rope would probably work better. Fiber.
3: Carbon yeah. fiber. Fiber. Ah,
2: you get your fiber diet. There you go. <laughs> you double joke there.
3: Oh, yeah. explain wow. the joke. I don't, never mind.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Maybe yeah, we should. <laughs> Jason, just, like, just like tradition, I will absolutely explain the joke. <laughs> All right. So, so Jason always picks on me because when I give jokes, whether they're very funny or not, uh, generally I explain them.
0: I am familiar. Uh, or
2: actually, most of them they are not funny. Well, you may, may has exposure to I'm familiar
0: them. with this phenomenon.
4: <laughs>
2: yes,
3: it's a very interesting <laughs> phenomenon. Explaining the explaining. I love it. I love it. Yes. All right. Anyway, Oops, uh, announcements. I did a before we actually it have cool. an announcement this week. We do? Good. Yeah. Uh, uh, as of... Um, hang on, I can get the exact time here. Uh, as, as of uh, uh, 4.30 this afternoon, it has been officially announced that the Whopper Summit 0x1 oh uh, we're going
0: hex instead of binary okay
3: yes yes uh the dates the dates were already out there so march 27th to the 29th of next year um they it's going to happen this time in philadelphia uh at the fort washington holiday inn and express so cool. looking forward nice. to that already
0: well uh is there I a link? to go is there a link to their site that we can include in the show notes
3: Oh, you want everything. I yes, do. I, I, do. A... I
0: mean, if you're going to plug something, you need to put something in there so the listeners can actually go find
3: it. Yeah. I mean, th- so fair, fair warning. The site hasn't been updated with this information yet. You heard it here first, folks. All right. Unless, this you were, breaking. unless you're on Twitter, you may have heard it there first. Breaking yeah. news.
2: Breaking news. Now you have to cue the breaking news
3: sound. What would we ever do without you? I'm your human soundboard yeah excellent
4: now i guess i guess i'll have to
0: expand our soundboard all i've got is marvin the martian homer creepy organ and the podcast sounds we can use the creepy organ as the breaking news sound (laughs) Uh, okay i don't know that we have any other reviews or not reviews uh announcements at least nothing that made it into the notes other than the fact that I was woken up at four thirty this morning by a network outage, which was awesome.
2: Sorry about Power? That. What was the? What was the? Uh, I didn't realize I you were on call. On another day.
0: No, an, an upgrade that went sideways. Oh. Yeah. Or not Sorry. even an upgrade. Maintenance. Like, I think it was just like.
3: No, I think it was software updates that they were doing. Whatever cool. it was, it like. Your your software update knocked out the network. <sighs> I'm impressed. Are you I'll,
2: running Windows DHCP? I'll, I'll tell
3: you about it off the air. It's <laughs> It was not a good morning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So normally we would talk about reviews here, but folks, we haven't had a review in a long time. So if you're listening or watching or whatever on YouTube, uh, please go give us a review on iTunes because we love getting feedback from folks. Uh, if you don't have an iTunes account or don't want to do it through iTunes, you can just send us a freaking email if you want to and let us know what you like or don't like. Uh, you can email us at podcast at which goes at least to me and Jason and maybe also to Charles and Dustin. I don't remember anymore.
2: I don't recall. <laughs> give it a try. I, sure. I'll
0: put it this way. I don't way. Know if I have the account info. <laughs> I'm not sure if I remember where I have that forward hosted. <laughs> <laughs> that's so then, how long it's been since I've touched it.
3: Oh <laughs> I use a, a review scraper. Yeah. Um. I, I don't know which. It does more than just iTunes though. So, um. I think like Stitcher, you can leave a review. Mm-hmm. It's a couple different places. So yeah, you I, know, wherever it doesn't have to be iTunes. I uh, what about PasteBin? Does
2: PasteBin qualify?
3: Well, that's where I put your all your info. So. <laughs> I hope so. Oh
2: man.
0: I <laughs> yes, it. leave I us. It looks familiar. Leave us a review on PasteBin. We'll never find it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I was making a joke.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, leave us a review. Sorry, it's uh, it's not iTunes. It's po- it's Apple Podcasts. I see some chat about asking if iTunes is going away. iTunes, as far as I know, is not going away, but it's being rebranded to Apple
3: Podcasts. No, uh, so right. So that's the podcast. iTunes, the application. We can go down this path. Yeah, <laughs> iTunes, the application is being broken into three specific applications: oh. one for music, one for Apple TV, and one for podcasts. Uh, that has already been. So I'm, I'm running. I'm actually running Catalina. Um, and that has been done. And Of course you are. Uh, then they took the... <laughs> is that like like, normally... like beta OS X? Is that what that is? Yeah, Catalina? Yep, that's okay. the beta. Um, yeah. and then, then...
2: Wait, 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 Jason, wait. That's not public beta, is it?
3: No. Uh, okay. And then you would take the... the, the so where you, you would normally connect me. iTunes with your iPhone or your iPad um, to do the syncing, that's actually built into the Finder now. So um, which is is
2: you ingrained in the OS even further now
3: more. Yeah, I guess um, it works. I mean, it's a beta, so there's a little bit of jankiness, but it, mm-hmm. it works. It works well. Like, I, I honestly have had fewer problems with this beta than I've had with any other beta that I've run previously. Um, Jason,
2: do you, do you still play with x uh,
3: Yeah, it runs fine.
2: Really? Wow! Yeah. so you didn't, you didn't yep. get any of
3: the uh, pre-boot. Uh, what was the issue? The K files, the KEX files. What the hell? No, it, 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 it worked right out of the right out of the right out of the gate. Um, hmm. Little Snitch needed an update. Um, I thought XFence wasn't working because uh, I had a couple of crashes, um, but it hasn't crashed since Little Snitch got updated. So I suspect um, while it was XFence doing something when the crash happened. Uh, I suspect it was an interaction with another kernel extension that was causing the issue, um, ah, and it's okay. it's been it's been working great. Um, let's awesome see. for see That sounds Since good. Ap- apparently we're in the uh, the the Apple show at the moment, uh, Zubian <laughs> asks uh, if 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 it's better than iTunes. I I, I don't know. I, I used iTunes to back up my phone and to sync it, so I can do that with the apps that are there. So it works fine. I don't have an Apple TV, so I don't use that. And um, I honestly tried to love Apple podcasts when it first came out. um, Mostly because I wanted to be able to sync between my desktop and my devices. And it never it never worked the way I wanted to. Um, Now, to be fair, I use downcast on the desktop and on my phone. Um, and that does, that seems to be a little bit closer, but still isn't quite what I want. So I think, I think maybe the app that I want doesn't exist. Um, probably not, but it works. I use, I use Overcast since I switched to Apple
0: and, um, it does not sync to my desktop, but it syncs to a web client, which I know you're not a fan of using the web to listen to your media because you're weird like that, but it's worked out really well for me.
3: I, I've had too many instances where I've blown up a browser and most of the time that's because I'm, you know, doing video and, you know, like trying to do yeah. too many things in the browser at once. So
0: I just keep a tab open to Overcast and then, you know. Well, you're coming from way. a
2: man who leaves all his tabs open and the history of every tab he's open, every time he opens his browser, that doesn't surprise me that it crashes when you that's, do something like that.
0: That's the definition have... of technical debt.
3: <laughs> I have something even totally, better totally. now. I have something even better now than just all these tabs. I use containers inside of Firefox, and it is Wait, brilliant.
2: Are you running uh, Cubes OS?
3: No, no. It's just it's uh. a, there's a plugin for Firefox that that uh, basically labels ta- uh, tabs, so yeah. I can have like you know like it, I think the defaults are like personal, work, other, you know that sort of oh, stuff. Okay and you, you you open a tab inside of a container and it isolates so it, it, it's almost like um it, it it somehow isolates those those particular tabs inside that container so data can't go between containers and then when that container isn't open it unloads all those tabs so you don't Bad. have an issue with uh like a lot of a lot of uh, uh memory and stuff being used
4: um, does it, does so, it use
2: like uh, like any kind of Docker Docker derivative, or is it like its own container?
3: It it's Firefox has a container system built in now. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I knew that. I knew that. It's, it, it's knew not that it's that. not same sort of idea as what Docker is doing, where it's isolating that particular process, if you will. Um, but it's it's not it's not, it, it's not using.
2: The, yeah, okay. It's using. I I didn't know if it if you was like a like a an extended thing, you know, outside of the whole Firefox.
3: Now, containers that is a containers is a gem, generalization. Now, um, no, no, no.
2: I I understand. So. I'm talking about the plugin you're you're referring to. I thought maybe you were actually spinning up like individual containers, not the uh, Firefox container. I'm a, I. I think I. May no, have no, no. I I,
3: <clears> I would <throat> love to be able to run all of my applications in containers. Um, I think, I think what? that might actually be. From a security perspective, I know. Scarab, go away. Um. Scarab is 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 uh, one of our our buddies from yeah. DC six ten and and uh, hates containers and says they're the most insecure thing in the world. Uh, so I, I, I disagree. But I know regardless. what you're.
0: I know the road you're going down. And too. what you need to look into is Fedora Silverblue. Silverblue? Silver Blue. Silver Blue.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It. Uh. It's the. Um. It. It, it was the. Atomic. Uh. Atomic Linux type setup, but for desktops versus servers. Yep. Yeah, all, I know, they've been working on this for a while.
0: Yeah, all the apps run in like a container instead of running directly on your on your machine. Well, they still run directly on your machine, but you know what I mean, in your host yep. OS. Um, I haven't tried it myself yet, but I've read a bit about it, and it sounds pretty cool.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the isolation um, done. I think done properly, because Cube, CubeOS does this to a degree. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a couple other machines out there yeah. that sort of do this. Um, the isolation in the containers, done properly, um, means that you can you can completely blow up a, an application or a container and not really affect the rest of the system. The trick is being able to move data between containers in a secure way, um, and that's right. that's that's a little you know
4: eh, it's, it's possible when you interact
3: yeah. with the desktop type stuff. But yeah. it's it's neat. It's neat. So um, how we got there from talking about whopper summit i'm not sure but, I, I've, um, I've added cool. some
0: fun things to the uh the show notes regarding our chat so folks can oh awesome can, can enjoy that um <laughs> awesome all right wow. I, I think this we've we do. we've transitioned <laughs> very cleanly into the news so let's move along news <laughs> All right, so we've got some news lined up for tonight. We'll see what we get through, because we're already running up to an hour. <laughs> that was a great inter- interview with Jack, though, so I don't mind taking a little bit of time to do that. Um, uh, our first article for tonight I found literally this morning. It was recommended to me by, like, the new page in Firefox. You know how that comes up with, like, suggested news articles to read? I don't know if any of oh, you it, do that. I, well, I, it, it really literally showed up stuff on stuff the air, too. and I could not resist. this 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 article is completely not IT-related, except in the fact that uh, the FBI took a very long time to respond to this man, and it's very, almost depressing when you read the article. (laughs) So uh, this is from the Washington Post. I'm sorry, there's a paywall, unless you turn off your ad blocker and it's really annoying, but whatever. It is. Um, So uh, this... I don't even know how to start... (laughs) This guy's a, a Bigfoot investigator. Let me let me find his name here. It's in the article.
3: Is this uh, Cochran? Uh, yes. Yeah. Cochran. No, Peter Byrne. Oh, Byrne. Yeah.
0: Byrne. Okay. Yeah, he, he had no Byrne. idea.
3: Brown. If I read this correctly, he had no idea what Bigfoot was when when they got the original letter.
0: No, it says he's on the scene. Well, okay. So there was a Bigfoot sighting in the 70s okay, um, this guy, Peter Byrne, gets called to the scene because it's considered a credible sighting. And I guess he's he's in, according to how I read it, maybe you read it differently, he's like a guy that investigates Bigfoot sightings. And it was so credible that, um, so you'll have to read the article to get the whole story because I'm going to try to summarize here, but basically the the person who cited the, the Bigfoot uh, said that he passed between these two trees and the two trees upon investigation were so tight together that he, divide, or he decided that there's no way Bigfoot would have like gone through these trees without like squeezing his way through and he finds hair caught in the bark on the tree and he's like, perfect. If this was Bigfoot, here's hair. I can identify what this hair is by looking at it. I'm gonna send it to the FBI to have it have it analyzed right so he sends it and he doesn't hear back and he doesn't hear back and he doesn't hear back 40 years later apparently the FBI has a file on Bigfoot sightings and this file has been released to the public so this guy is like cool I'm gonna go look at the file because like I've spent my whole life investigating Bigfoot and he's like in his 90s now And he finds that the FBI did receive his hair sample. They did analyze it, and they responded to him, but he never got the freaking letter. Like, can you imagine? Wow! It it Uh, never came back to him. Conspiracy to me. It never came back to him, and he probably got
2: more letters from the IRS than he did the FBI.
0: And so, with like bated breath, he's he's looking to see what the what the analysis was. It's deer hair. (laughs)
3: <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Oh dear,
0: dear, it's no. dear
3: here. Yep, government cover up. So yeah, it's it either is... it's it's either
0: the most anticlimactic story we've ever covered, or it's a government cover up.
2: Oh dear.
0: You be the judge. <laughs> I just thought that was awesome. Ooh. I couldn't resist including it because it's just <laughs> it's just such a an epic clerical failing.
4: <laughs> yep. Oh
2: man. Seriously, they now, should have. T- they should have te- uh, teamed up with the IRS. So they probably would have been able to make sure. At, yeah, right. Every
3: letter. Is put. So we we have email now, and 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 that never gets lost. So we've right, <laughs> long right. Long. I guess it's kind of related. You know. <laughs> so, oh, that was great.
0: All right, all right. So on to some actual IT news. <laughs> let's bash a browser. This comes from iprogrammer.info I don't know. I, I mean, it seems like a new news site comes up every three days. <laughs> Sorry, I almost sneezed. Okay, so um, apparently the Mozilla Foundation is considering, or maybe even committed to, producing a premium version of Firefox, like a for-pay version of a web browser. Do you remember the Netscape days?
3: Netscape Navigator, baby! I bought that. Do you, like, remember they they, it. they
0: had it up for sale... How many people actually bought it? I'm curious. Me? You did, okay. Yeah. Because probably because you wanted the
3: box. <laughs> I I don't have you the mean, box anymore, but yes, I, I uh because have box, I have two boxes. Why did I buy it? I don't remember. And I didn't. Uh, buy it. it was easier. I think it was easier. It was cheaper to buy than it was to download at the time. Well, yeah, but well,
0: probably because it came to you on floppy or a CD or yeah. something, and you didn't have to download it. But I mean, um. I, I never really I never understood the it. model of, of Netscape back in the day, how they were able to charge for it when you could just download it for free. But anyway, um, the the good news out of this announcement or this article is that uh, the Mil- Mozilla Foundation is claiming they're not. <laughs> it's tight. Sorry. It was coming, and I couldn't stop it. Uh, the Mozilla Foundation is claiming that they're not Water considering moment. charging for features that are already free today which is good. So that in my mind means that the Firefox we all know and love will stay as it is, but they're planning new features for uh, a premium version of Firefox. And the only feature they really go into in the article is like an on demand VPN service where they'll basically charge you for the VPN service. And the the browser can, I guess, switch to VPN mode uh, when you might want it. Like if you want to protect privacy, if you're on open Wi-Fi, whatever. Um, I don't know if that'll be a big seller or not. Maybe they're going to pack other features in there. It'll make it a little more profitable. But um, basically, I guess the Mozilla Foundation is in sort of a, a pickle, pickle. It comes, yeah, pickle when, it, when totally. it comes to finances because they're committed to producing a free browser because the reason that they, um, that they produce Firefox is because they're committed to users' rights and privacy. And they want to keep doing that for free. Unfortunately, software development has costs, software distribution has costs, you know, like advertising, whatever they do, running a website has costs. So they recoup some of that by selling, um, selling the rights to uh, search engines to run within Firefox, you know, like the, the preferred search engines and whatever, the things that'll search in the, in the URL bar and whatnot, and they get a kickback from search engines Uh, when traffic is sent from Firefox to those search engines. I I suppose that's like when you're using the built-in browser features, not just when you browse to Google and search for something. Um, And the numbers in this article are that that's to the tune of like $500 a year, if I'm reading this right, that they get in royalties, which sounds like a ton of money to me. But maybe when you're running a software company, that's not a lot of money. I don't know.
2: Well, and I, th- well, I think, I mean, that does sound like a lot of money to me as well, but I think one of the biggest th- things that they have, uh, uh, you know, a loss in resources or investment is, is they're dealing with Chrome. And Chrome is such a dominant browser right now, um, even outside of, you know, being dominant in personal use and organizations. I mean, what is it? Microsoft is, is forking their code and basing a browser off of it now because they mm-hmm. feel that it's not worth them to invest the same amount of money to develop a browser, which, okay, on one side again, but now, now they're further removing any type of fragmentation with the browsers on the market. So I could see Firefox Foundation wanting to do this to try to stay on the edge and be competitive because, I mean, you're starting to see people only develop applications inside of a Chrome browser, right? So like, if, if, if Chrome can help, if Google can help reduce that fragmentation on the market, now they can have more control. And that scares the hell out of me. I mean, yeah. we, we've we've come so far. I mean, even like you go back eight years ago, right? Uh, Ten years ago, Opera uh, was was huge, right? I mean, Opera gained a lot of momentum, and then what was it like? Two thousand four, two thousand three, they kind of like fell off because they had other interests. I mean, the Opera browser still exists, but it's not like it used to be. Like I think that it, it had its peak. Firefox, Chrome came back into play, um, and you know, Edge later on, which is part of Microsoft's revenue stream. But it, it's it's. I hope if it's this is, they're doing something this to grab money and grab you know resources to invest in resources. I hope they do it properly, and I hope they can stay ahead of it because ugh, I don't want to deal with the dominant browser. I mean, it's becoming the dominant browser, and I I don't yeah. want to be part. of I that. mean, it's the scary. I, the thing I, is, I
3: will I will pay for Firefox. I, mean, I yeah, will pay for Firefox hands too down. Too, I, like, absolutely. <laughs> I will. I will try <laughs> And and, and 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 you're right about Chrome becoming the dominant browser, um, although they may have just kneecapped themselves. Um I added another link here. Um Woo-hoo. good. Chrome there's I d I don't know I don't know if this is in writing Sorry. as as it's uh no, apparently it's it's moving forward with it. Um Oh so yes, I did Chrome, see this. I didn't include Chrome, it, though. Will, no, Chrome will be deactivating oh, ad, yes, blockers the ad blockers. Yep. In yep. in Google Personal. Chrome unless you buy the enterprise version. Um yeah. which uh, makes sense. I mean Google is an ad company. So by by allowing ad blockers they're sort of right. taking away their own revenue, so it makes sense, but um you know, you're going to see, I think potentially you may see people flock. I, I've seen a lot of, you know, people, who. Oh, I'm leaving Chrome, but uh, you well, may see a lot of people flock to other browsers because of it. Well,
2: let, 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 me give you, let me give you a scenario then. Okay. So, so I would agree with that. Um, but what about on the enterprise side? I, I have uh, at the place, i the employer I work at now. Um, we have a few people that we work with um, that we supply items to um, B2B. stuff um that require their applications whether it be a third-party application they pay for and then you know rebrand as their own or or their own internal applications they develop them on chrome so are we going to get into another place where it's like right now productivity suites you know microsoft office is dominant it's apparent because even you know since they came out with office 365 it's put microsoft in the top most profitable tech company in 2018 it's amazing how they've turned around so are you going to see the same thing when it comes to browsers? Are you going to start seeing that as being like an uh, enterprise application? Like, oh, hey, you know, we've developed all these things on this. Uh, we're not willing to move, but you have to support it. So is it going to put companies in a pickle to now have to purchase Google Chrome, kind of like we purchased productivity software? I just thought oh, of that. There's,
3: there's an enterprise version of Chrome. So well, no, it no, sounds like people are already but, already purchasing it for one agreed. reason or another.
2: Agreed. No, agreed. But I'm saying, like, is it going to make it more popular where it'll become part of, like, a, a uh, an expense, you know, an operating expense? Like, you have productivity software. Are you now going to include the browser as part of that?
3: Uh, it's possible. Look, I mean... That's scary. I, I mean, that's interesting. A, a lot of companies use open source software, whether that's true. Agreed. Chrome agreed. or Firefox or libraries out there. Um, but, but,
2: but, and, but even and, though and, you and I understand and, that and, and the applications yeah. are developed that way and they're usually cross-compatible... Yep there are organizations that will hold other organizations accountable if they're not using the, the, you know, the things they test on. So like, right.
3: My, my, my point though, is that I think that that companies should be giving back. And, and if, that's, oh, great. if that's a Agreed. monetary contribution, great. The problem is, and, and look, I've, I've, I've seen this and experienced this. The problem is, you know, I use, uh you know, my previous company that I was at, we, you know, we, we tore apart, for this you know we used a bunch of open source stuff and we tore it apart we probably used you know 400 different modules from all over the place sure sure how do you even begin to try to pay for that right as <laughs> as a contribution there's no there is I'm not gonna say there's no because I think there's there's at least one that I've heard of that's that's trying to to sort of cover this gap but there is no simple way to say I'm going to send you know Thousand dollars a month, you know, as a company, or or, or you know, ten dollars a month as an individual to, you know, myopensourcesoftware dot where I right. can choose what what open source projects I'm going to split that money into. Um, and and I think you know we have things like Patreon today. Um, right. You know, I mm-hmm. use I use I, I know I use Patreon. I think Nate's on a couple of Patreons. Yep. Um, you know, I I pay I monthly. I think I was on a couple. So. Yeah, I pay monthly to a couple of different uh people that are creating things that I consume. Now, I don't I don't pay for everything I get. I can't. I, I I don't have enough money to do that. Um but I try to push out and and give back where I can. And I think that's that's sort of the open source way. You know, I can't cover everybody, but I will try to cover, you know, the, the ones that I think you know, I feel are are the worthy ones to cover. Yeah, um, I mean
0: Patreon makes a a decent model, and there's a couple others that do the same thing, um, where it's just a great way for a creator to not directly charge for a thing, but it's a great way to give back to those folks who are creating a thing that you enjoy. Um, We run one for this podcast because, you know, we, from the beginning, I always wanted to sort of avoid sponsors and ads because I like to be able to report things the way we see them and not you know, worry about if we're upsetting advertisers or whatever. If we ever wanted to actually make money doing this, um, that'd be different. But
3: <laughs> yeah, that, that reminds me. This segment brought to you by Widgets Incorporated. Yeah, go right. buy you a widget. Yeah, um, yeah, I love the my problem. Widget. The problem is that so for a for a podcast it's pretty straightforward, right? So you go to Patreon, you give your dollar or ten dollars or whatever, right? And it goes to the people that are making the making that podcast. Right. That's pretty straightforward. Um, if you look at something like Firefox, Firefox is open source, built on open source on other right? open so source not, technologies. Right, not all of not all of Firefox was built by uh, by the Mozilla team. There's right. uh, there's libraries. There are and other whatnot. technologies in yeah. there. So they didn't roll I, their own
0: crypto to do SSL. They probably use Open SSL.
3: Right. So if I send <laughs> and 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 I know like I'm not a lawyer, and I know some of this is sort of covered on how the. Um, how the licenses are put together or whatever, but if I send, you know, a dollar a month or $10 a month or a hundred dollars a year, whatever to Mozilla for my Firefox subscription or whatever you want to call it, do they then pass some of that money on to the developers of the open source projects they're built on? Does Google do that? Does right. you know, I doubt do any of these guys does. do that. Most most don't. No, um, Google just you know, I mean, Google just hires the
0: developers, so they develop for them instead of developing right. open source. And, and and I have seen <laughs> I, I have
3: seen egregious like people like just companies that just like abuse the hell out of the system. I mean, the, the biggest one, probably the first one that I that I really really jumped out at me um, is Cisco. Cisco is oh god. Absolutely, like, I'm sorry. They they need to be. Uh, if there was a way to find them for this, or 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 punish them, or something like something needs to be done because Mars Cisco Mars. I yes, it's a piece of garbage. I'm aware of that. Cisco <laughs> Mars when it when it was out there, um, is a piece of software that runs on Linux and has an Oracle database. Now,
4: Ooh. I'm,
3: I'm I don't know for certain, but I am willing to that large amounts of money, they're paying Oracle for that Oracle database. Yeah, uh, for the license to do <laughs> absolutely. That. Oh, definitely, um,
2: definitely being Oracle. But, they're not going to let that go.
3: But what? What Linux were they using? Oh, that's right. Um, somebody may have um, broken into the Mars box to figure out how it worked and noticed that it's running on CentOS. <laughs> yep.
4: Not even like it's a it's
3: it's a full version of Rel. And yep. I, I realize this is open source, but they're. They are you are paying tens of thousands of dollars for this device. Yep. And yeah. the operating system oh, is CentOS. I mean, the the, the number same goes of, for their NAC solution. The, the NAC number solution of appliances. The,
0: the number of appliances, whether they're physical or virtual, that that I've personally dealt with, that we've spent we spent thousands of dollars on that are yep. just running CentOS underneath with a bunch of special sauce on top. But I mean, obviously CentOS's license supports that. You know, you know what's you know what oh, interesting okay. though?
2: Like Oh, yeah, agreed. Totally agreed. What's interesting is, like, you think, okay, I take this operating system, this open source operating system, use it on my devices, and I'm going to put the special sauce on it, and I I may tune the operating system. Uh, And people think, like, okay, you know, you're hearing this now. You're hearing, oh, yeah, they they take a free operating system, put it on their appliance. They must tune the hell out of it to make it, you know, work the best. Again, not the case. Over and over and over again, how many times have you seen a patch come out to fix, like, a hard memory crash on on an appliance that you can't even you know in the cisco world Ramon put an os back into a a boot section like like how many times do you see that stuff and you you think like oh wow like this is only cisco but then you you learn oh it's an operating system bug that existed and they just ported into their code it's like uh yeah
3: have you yeah i mean look cisco maybe cisco Cisco contributes to Ah, CentOS. i don't know i i don't believe so yeah, uh, I, we will, find uh, I will, out, I will if we apologize find if they do but it's a valid question chances out. are let's they don't
4: out. let's find let's
3: out let's find out yeah let's find out let's, hang on let's let me call
0: is
2: John Chambers somebody. still there? I'll just call well, him. I don't know him. I don't know him, but I know somebody <laughs> very low in the chain. Maybe. I, I Maybe got know. a better idea. We
0: we have connections now. Ask Jack to look into it. He's
3: apparently good at oh, this. Oh, okay. Jack, <laughs> uh, we, have a new, we have a new story for you. He's call better at this than we are. This one's riveting.
0: Riveting. Um, yeah, I guess it does. Does Cisco pay CentOS royalties? Uh, so, when he runs out so, of ideas, uh, he can...
3: Right. <laughs> so so um, how about we walk away from that dead horse? That's a good idea. To, uh, good idea. Uh, All right. All right. Uh, this this next article that Nate's going to explain because I'm not sure that I understood it. You don't I have a horse joke for you. You're, later. you're talking about the burnout one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I okay. got I got as far. I got as far through it that I understood that I it can, is. I can say use the Schwartz and, and it was relevant. Yeah,
0: it's it's kind of a long article. I, I I'll, I'll admit I skimmed it because I was trying to fit it in before the show, because it is kind of long. Uh, but anyway, it's basically, um, it's all about healthcare, right? So, oh, it's not, really, not very IT-related, but it's also about burnout. And I know burnout affects IT professionals, especially infosec professionals. We see it all the time, you know, infosec professionals or IT professionals that just either flat-out hate their lives because they're so burned out on what they do, or in the worst cases, we actually hear about people that are literally harming themselves because they're, they're just so burned out and they can't handle uh, what they do anymore. So uh, this is a very lengthy article about healthcare. Uh, healthcare is a, a, uh, a field that suffers from burnout in a worse place or in a worse way than IT does because um, in the article it defines burnout as basically uh, emotional and mental. Uh, you have to give so much emotionally and mentally to your to your job that eventually you just get burnt out, right? And that's especially true in healthcare because you're not just dealing with emergencies, you're dealing with emergencies that involve a bunch of scared people. Because, you know, you're in a car accident or whatever, you you don't know if you're gonna live or die, and you as a doctor or you as a nurse or or an emergency um, response person, not only do you have to tend to their wounds, but you have to try to be a compassionate human being. And that gets really tiring, because you're doing it all the time, and you see this, you know, time and time again. And the the article talks about uh, some practices that are in place. It sounded like it was stemming from New Zealand. I don't know if you read. Yeah, New Zealand's all over this article, um, where they're basically they're trying to treat, not necessarily treat, but deal with burnout. By <laughs> it's funny, uh, they have lunchtime bitch sessions. <laughs> It's really what this boils down to. Uh they, you know, they they call them uh the rounds or the Schwartz Rounds, uh because I
3: guess it was coined by a guy whose last name was Schwartz. Um, the yeah, so the, Schwartz. it was a, a healthcare attorney who yeah. had stage four lung cancer by the name of Kenneth B. Schwartz. There you go. Uh who lived in Boston and apparently died in ninety five. So I think he was forty one. Okay. if my math is right. So basically the way I
0: read this, uh, it goes into a whole lot of detail about why this is a problem and how it's, prob- how it's a problem in different parts of healthcare. Uh, but really what, what I was trying to bring forward out of this article was how they're dealing with it. And that's, they had these like lunchtime sessions where um, healthcare staff just sort of get together and they have lunch together and they talk about certain topics and they're allowed to just sort of Whatever is bothering them. Uh, and just talk about it amongst other healthcare professionals. No judgments, no, no problem solving, no like diagnosis, just talk about you know what's bothering you. Talk about uh the stresses you're under and let other people hear about it. And they say it's working, they say it's helping. They say it's, so is it's that helping. like a, is
3: that like a safe space?
0: I guess, I guess, uh I mean, it's, cone of it's really just like when you go out to lunch with uh, your coworkers and you complain about the boss or you complain about the help desk or you complain about the users or, you know, whatever. Right. It's really this is a very similar thing, which is something you see very frequently, at least I've seen very frequently within IT. And it never really struck me that this was a way that people are somehow dealing with the fact that they are just burnt out on what they're doing. Did I also learned in this article. Boxes? Sorry, what's that?
2: No problem. I said, did they incorporate their bosses in this uh, roundtable?
0: Uh, that I didn't find out from the article. It sounds like it's run by their peers, so I don't know if there's folks higher Probably up in the not. chain that are involved.
2: It'd be interesting if they did. That would be an they, interesting
0: approach. They did say it's, it's not just, like, doctors, but they say surgeons, nurses, occupational therapists, and even the janitors are welcome to come to these things. So... You know, right. I, I'd imagine that it's also open to the folks that are running the place. I, I don't know. Interesting. If they're if they're willing to include the folks that are mopping the floors, I'd imagine they would also include the folks that are higher up the chain. I don't know. Cool.
3: So cool. Yeah. So, mental health, people. Um, it's a thing. You got to figure it out. Yeah. Um, right. And <laughs> uh, uh, so speaking yeah. speaking of, uh, do you think this would work? Uh, at Intel.
0: Oh, see, now now you're trying to move along to the next article. Yeah, oh, that's my transition. So yeah, right, from, from the text. They're pretty screwed. And this is a very, very technical, not necessarily technical, it's a very uh, numbers-laden um, article. It's, it's titled, in the very catchy way, How Screwed Is Intel Without Hyperthreading? And instead of just like this article about conjecture, which is what I sort of thought it was going to be when I first uh, opened it up, it's actually num- it's an article full of a bunch of benchmark tests where they took different variants of Intel processors and they ran benchmarks against um, you know with and without hyperthreading turned on. So the, the background here is that uh, well you know why are we talking about Intel and turning off hyperthreading? It's because of all these side channel attacks. Uh, these these attacks um, use the speculative execution functions of hyperthreading, which makes hyperthreading work, um, to basically attack your CPU and get private data out of it, or we get it to do things it's not supposed to do, you know, whatever. Um, So there have been some folks saying that maybe Intel and other CPU manufacturers should stop using hyperthreading, because obviously it's a flawed technology, and now that we're seeing all these problems with it, it's just a bad idea. Because after all, when you've got an 8-core CPU, and you think back to the days when we had only one CPU, back in my day, we had one CPU and liked it. Um, Damn it. You know, when you've got 8 and 9-core CPUs. We pushed the turbo button. Yeah, right, we pushed the turbo button, and the thing on the front went from 33 to 66, and it
2: was faster. Only if you had the key turned to unlock or on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. So, anyway. Can't bypass that. (laughs) (laughs) it's two leads that go to the motherboard just short them you're done (laughs) anyway um so yeah uh there's been speculation that that intel may consider turning off hyperthreading or even that folks who run intel cpus may want to preemptively turn off hyperthreading in order to avoid some of these attacks which admittedly is a workaround not necessarily a fix uh, what anyway.
2: company is going to do without the licensing requirements of multi-thread or, or right. hyper-threading? Right. Oh my goodness! You 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 can't turn off hyper-threading, then I yeah. have to change my licensing. I'm right. lose money. Right. So yeah, anyway, like, they
0: they've got a bunch of benchmark numbers in here where they ran different different benchmarks, different applications against different Intel CPUs with and without hyper-threading, and the numbers are kind of what you'd expect. There's a couple cases. I didn't dig too deeply into why this is. There's a couple of cases where hyperthreading disabled actually improved the benchmarks, which
3: seems counterproductive. I, I think you're. Oh, I uh, see.
0: No, no, I misread this. You, yeah, you're, lower you're, is you're better. Reversing okay. the.
3: Sorry. You're reversing the uh, the the. Yeah, I some, see. And some of them bigger is better, and some of them yeah. smaller is better. Yeah. I'm sorry, um, I
0: misspoke. So yes, yeah. it is. It is that that it is what you'd expect. Without hyperthreading, things go slower. <laughs>
3: imagine as 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 you would expect uh as with most things um the answer isn't turn off hyper threading for the greater good the answer is it depends because yeah yeah, hyper threading may be bad for server farms that are running the latest application with shared you know uh shared hosting and blah 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 like aka like aws cloud type stuff right um Whereas, uh, you know, Leap Gamer 22, the 12 year old sitting in his mom's basement, wants hyper threading on so he can get that better frame rate, so he can get that, you know, 360 no scope kill. Right.
2: <laughs> Very nice, sir. Very well played. You like
3: that? <laughs> I <It> did. <laughs> practicing that one.
0: <laughs> you, you, just, ever since you read the article, you're like,
3: I'm going to throw this out there. Saying it, not actually doing it. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: You
0: sway me. So yeah, oh, as you'd God. expect, hyperthreading disabled slows things down, um, and that's kind of what you would expect because hyperthreading is supposed to speed things up. Now, I will say, like hyperthreading, from a numbers perspective, is essentially doubles the number of cores your operating system sees. So you you might think magic. You might think that you would get twice the performance, and that's not the case. There's lots of there's some cases here where they're roughly halved. Like you see. The stat with hyperthreading enabled is roughly twice as high as, as without. But there's lots of cases where it's a, a much smaller margin, uh, which is kind of hopeful.
3: <laughs> yeah, if you if you took a course in statistics, you'd understand this. Um, yeah, really it has to do it's speculation. So yeah, it's it's executing multiple instructions with multiple pieces of of data at the same time, and throwing out the ones that it doesn't need. And right. the better it is at guessing. Which way it's going to go, the more performance boost you get. So some applications um, that are very straightforward, you can get double the speed. Other applications where, you know, there's a 12 year old doing 360 no scope kills. You don't get double the speed because who the hell knows what he's going to do next.
0: You've uh, you've exceeded your quota of teenager (laughs) troll.
2: Speed. Sorry,
3: <laughs>
2: I haven't got my fill yet. Come on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go turn my hyper
3: threading off.
0: Well, well, Dustin, you're you're younger. Your quote is higher, so
2: true. Indeed, for now, I'm catching up. Don't worry. I may not be the perfect age, but I'm getting there. All
0: right, All right so moving right along, our last article for the night, which has another very clickbaity uh, title. Nope, I added one. Well, then you're going to have to talk too, about it when we're... Uh, then fine. Yeah, fine. Our second or maybe third to last article for the night, depending <laughs> on last. how much patience we have. Um, <laughs> all right. So you guys are familiar with the Ring doorbell? Was it the Ring doorbell? Yes. Yep. yep. Very from, popular. from Amazon? Um, A- apparently.
3: Apparently. Uh, yes. <laughs> Amazon, I believe, bought Ring. them.
0: Yes, yeah, I believe Amazon right, yeah. them. So this is from CNET, and the the title is Amazon's helping police build a surveillance network with Ring doorbells, which makes you, which leads you to believe that the police are somehow working secretly with Amazon to steal all of your your uh, Ring doorbell video footage. And that's not the case. Um, it's really not that nefarious. Um, it is concerning, but um, it's also. Like, you could see this as a, as a greater good sort of thing. Uh, so, basically, um, and this is something Ring was in the process of doing before Amazon bought them. So, as much as I would love to blame Amazon, because they are the evil that currently plagues the world, um, it's not really, you know, they just continued... One of the evils. They just sort of continued what Ring was already in the process of doing. And that is basically that they work with law enforcement... Um, in in many areas, and they were calling out a certain neighborhood, not neighborhood uh, city here, where this was being used. And I'm, I should have taken notes, guys. I got to start taking notes when I read Bl- these articles. Bloomfield. Bloomfield. I'm terrible at skimming uh, these articles on demand. My brain just goes like, ah, where is it? Ah. Anyway. Bloomfield. New Jersey, hyper-threading. specifically. Yeah, I knew it was in New Jersey. I couldn't remember what town or what city it was. Anyway, uh, so basically, the idea is that uh, you have to opt into this. However, the article does mention that there are cases where law enforcement, or the city, anyway, is working with Amazon to sell Ring doorbells at a discounted price, but it forces people to opt in, right? And so the idea is that they can get surveillance footage of crimes, not like live data, but they can retrieve surveillance footage from users' Ring doorbells. So if you have a Ring doorbell and someone is murdered in front of your house, they can come and get the Ring doorbell footage from you. Or maybe something a little less critical than that. Maybe a car is stolen, or someone's stereo, or a window gets smashed, or, you know, maybe someone gets smacked in the street. I don't know. Um,
3: well, Anyway, it, it, so it, it used to be that way. It's changed slightly since Amazon got hold of it. Okay.
2: Amazon says, oh, you, you need this yeah, information so,
3: for this latitude, longitude
2: location?
4: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, so right. apparently
3: apparently it used to be that that so it's this it's this neighbors app mm-hmm. that they're talking about. And I I've, I've heard this bandied about a little bit and I I'm, and I'm kind of reading the article trying to understand um exactly what's going on, but it, it the 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 app was originally um like a community board for people to post video and pictures and sort of talk about crime in the area and you know ask you know, like have you seen this person or whatever and sort of post things. Um, because vigilante justice is, is never a bad thing. Never. Um, and listen, Batman was good. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> totally. I, altruistic. Strive, I, I strive to be a comic book character. Uh, so apparently if I understand correctly, since Amazon has gotten it, um, they've started working with the police departments And there is now a law enforcement dashboard that police departments can can act if they're partnered with ring, which I'm sure costs money. Never. um, And they can, they wouldn't monetize
0: it. What are you talking about?
3: This is for the greater good vigilante justice. The, the, the owners of the ring doorbells have to have opted into the neighbor's app apparently in order to do this, but the law enforcement people can go in and geofence specific areas and request footage from those areas for specific times. Yeah, I do now see that now that I'm this. looking further are, down are in the they, article.
2: Right. Are they going to send letters out to these people automatically from a system when they no. do with those areas? Is this going to be no. like an automated thing?
4: Oh, oh I'm sorry. they already opted no,
3: in. No, 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 no. They opted in, which means that <laughs> I, the police I'm, can have I'm all kidding. the data they want.
2: Yeah. I, I, know, um, I know, I was making so, a joke. So
3: they can, they can get that data from the Ring doorbell because all the people have opted in, it doesn't look like there's any notification at all about this, uh, so they can use it whenever they want. Um, oh, and by the way, if you don't opt in and the police want your footage, all they have to do is put a subpoena in and they can right. get the footage. Yeah. Now, yeah. That, I'm, that I'm kind of okay with because there's a subpoena option there. Um, well, Jason, The law so enforcement would... dashboard allows them to sort of get this footage whenever they want for whatever reason. Yeah, that's a little creepy. It, it,
2: that is a little creepy. Does it actually specify active devices that aren't opted in? Like, would they be able to see that from the dashboard? Or is that something they'd have to uh, research
3: later? I, that would be really weird. Uh, it looks like maybe.
4: Ugh.
3: I, don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't I, you know. I I haven't seen the dashboard, but... Um, Come right. on, you haven't seen the Welcome. dashboard, check Shodan. Welcome to the surveillance state. Um, yeah, if right. you're interested in uh, how to live in a surveillance state, uh, we have some friends across the pond who have been living in one for... <laughs> Decades now, uh, we can get some tips on what to do and what not to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Apparently, you
0: just need to only go out at night and always wear sunglasses.
2: I wear my sunglasses. I, at night.
3: I in particular, am interested in the um, the modified mosquito laser hats uh, oh. that Corey Doctoro describes in. One of his books, and I can't remember which one. It was the one about underground film. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, basically, they they had these these hats that have low power lasers that shoot mosquitoes out of the air um, because things like West Nile have become so bad. Oh, okay. And, uh, and they the the hackers modify the hats um, so that when they're wearing them, it doesn't shoot. Maybe it still shoots the mosquitoes. Who knows? They're probably still worried about their health. Um, but When I
0: can handle both.
3: Whenever it identifies a camera, it shoots the laser at the camera and burns out the uh Oh nice uh, the camera. And so so they can't, so they're, they're, Core Doctor they has they can't some
0: interesting on. interesting stories.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. Good I stuff. Like Good stuff. stuff.
0: So we're already at an hour and a half. Yeah. Do we want to try to quickly get through these last two articles since you guys included them?
3: Yeah or, we can, or are, we are they we too can... long for that? No, 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 they're, they're sure. quick. Um, All right. They're quick. Uh, the one I added is really straightforward. Um, the uh, Customs and Border Patrol. Uh, so it's it's from the Atlantic, and the title
0: is, This is Exactly What Privacy Experts Said Would Happen.
3: CBP,
2: yeah, Stroll, biometric Data, is Catnip for Bad Actors.
3: Yeah, so CBP, um, Customs and Border Patrol. Ah, uh, those wonderful, Perfection. wonderful people at the borders who uh, regularly put people in cold rooms and separate families. And uh, anyway, that doesn't uh, happen. Fake news. Apparently, they take lots of pictures of people, uh, like faces and whatnot, no. uh, and license plates. Um, tons, tons of them. No, and, no blue uh, Iris. Um, Weirdly enough, that data got stolen. Now, never. Their official. But you their can official, trust the government. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah, wouldn't yeah. lose so, your data. The, The official story on this, according to them, uh, today's story, uh, is that the data was stolen from a third party, uh, a contractor that worked with CBP who did not have authorization to take this data to begin with. Then he shouldn't
2: have taken it. He was not authorized.
3: Exactly. exactly. Bad man. Um, Exactly. Uh, so they took the data without authorization and it got they got popped and the data was stolen and CBP is besides themselves, why they would ever take in the data. And we can't believe this has happened. And all oh my, uh, we are so sorry. Uh, and I'm sure credit monitoring is coming for everybody. Don't worry. <laughs>
4: oh,
3: good.
0: The world is safe. Credit monitoring. Yeah.
3: Yep. Uh, and while we're at it, my thoughts and prayers go out to those who have lost their data.
2: <laughs> if you're not in, if you're not the majority, you're still the minority with this stuff anymore. It's ridiculous. Yep. yep. It
3: so, really is, and uh, and then we have one more. That was quick, huh? So and then uh, one Indeed. one more. Uh, while we're dealing with uh, um, uh, absolute horribleness, uh, we have Dustin's article.
2: Oh, thank you for such a great introduction, Jason.
4: That was <laughs> oh, yeah. that was a perfect segue. Wait, a <laughs> oh, it's that another one from the article, Washington
2: Post. The Pose. article
3: itself. Come on.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, I did so, hear about this. this okay. You may
2: have heard this. Yeah, so so you understand what air gap is, right? Air gap's is easy. Uh, and you understand what art is. Well, a internet – how do they phrase this? A Chinese internet artist – I didn't know there was an internet artist. I've heard of digital artists, but internet yeah. artists. Okay, yeah. interesting. Created what's called the persistence of chaos. Uh, and it's a laptop <laughs> – 2008 samsung laptop for the details that will be in the notes uh that contains malware popular malware um what was really interesting about the article was that they talked about um you know different values and the damage that some of the different malware did but what was really interesting is they said that um the uh, featured viruses have names that could be mistaken for pop songs, but collectively have cost more than ninety five billion dollars in economic damage. Like right there. That, that just like sets the bar for this. Like, OK, this is really we're, interesting. Somebody carefully.
3: Three of take them. this. There's three. only three pieces of malware on this, by the way. <laughs> really? Yes. Three. Uh, uh, so WannaCry, which yep. we're, we're all very yes, we're with. all very familiar very with WannaCry. Familiar. Cry, right? so, so you get you. the ransomware. Black Energy, which I had actually, I, I, I think I knew about the story about this, but I had never heard the name of the malware. Cause Black across the recent. Ukraine? Wait, wait, hold on. Hold Hang on. on. Hold this, on. One's, this, this one's really. I, cool. the I love you virus. <laughs> they, yeah. yep, there you go.
4: <laughs> were, were you. Were you at? Uh,
3: yes. I mean, this, were you there? Yes. So, so we, they forced us to <laughs> all to use Outlook, yep. and
0: I was one of the few people that had preview pane turned off. Thus, I was not infected. <laughs> yes. But so, so you were you were the Delta brainwave
2: that could be uh, right.
3: Everybody loved me that day. In, <laughs> yeah, we both worked <laughs> in the same place um, for for years. We've talked about that before, and and I, I remember this very, very vividly. Um, I ran. Um, uh there's a linux alternative to outlook that i can't remember the name uh evolution yeah evolution evolution, no, evolution, evolution. Yeah. which of course so was acceptable. and and i i paid for the outlook plugin by the way because oh, nice. it, made it, it made things work uh so i had evolution running and as a result i wasn't affected by this and all of a sudden i got an email from uh one of the secretaries who <laughs> absolutely you. hated me with a the- Passion, yeah. And the subject of the, of the message was "I love you," and I could have went, huh? "What?" what? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's suspicious. A, that's a little odd. <laughs> and, I, and I I I sort of looked at it, and then within like you know a second of looking at it, I got another one from somebody else, and then my mailbox just started filling beek, up. Big Oh yeah. And then exchange crashes. <laughs> so so then exchange crashes, and uh uh, uh I in, in the interim people started replying to back to the messages. And of course it's going all over the place and this yeah. is just blowing up and going crazy. So the, the networking department or the systems department, the systems department went yeah. in and cleaned it up and fixed yeah. it all, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, sent out a, you know, basically told everybody don't click on these things, turn this stuff off, whatever patch, etc. And, uh, they fire things back up and we're sitting there and, uh, and, and, ding it pops in the email and all i heard was a collective groan across uh. the room i was in and the rest of the people on the floor where everybody just like because immediately after it came in somebody replied Aww. to it and it was oh, just no. everybody started screaming stop replying to the email <laughs> don't open it it was the best I the best
0: best day at work that ever. sounds
3: like hell <laughs> Stop it! Day, please. day, we got infected for a week straight. Yes. I kept getting those stupid every things, day. You know?
2: Every day was was a great day. Wow. Yeah,
0: it was great. Wow. <laughs> That's
2: the, <awesome>. the <laughs> only the only mean, thing that awesome, came but... close.
3: The only thing that came close to that while I was there was Code Red, when Code Red mm. came out and started crashing the routers. Oh my that gosh! That was also, <laughs> but that was fun for other reasons. We actually we we tore it apart and. You know, did a whole bunch of forensics on it and, and posted all sorts of stuff to some some FBI listers. So, and,
0: I mean, re- related to the the article, what I don't understand is why that's considered art.
3: Uh you just don't understand art. I guess you? not. I don't understand <laughs> art. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I I can't I can't say that I have any type of. Uh... Expertness in that field to say. I mean, what like, it, but like, it sounds cool.
0: Art is generally a thing that you can observe or or experience in some way that gives. Well, you Well, you can experience like,
2: this in an air-capped fashion. Yeah, you can look right. at it. You can say, "Wow, look at the marble in that. Is it a mechanical hard drive? If it's been on for x amount of time, when will it fail? Is there a backup <laughs> image? I
3: I have I have what I think is a more a deeper question. I understand uh, what makes it art. And and that is that somebody called it art. And now it's art, sure. right? Um, that's, how, that's what, what makes I. It art. What it's I art. don't understand the thing that the thing that like has me sort of beside myself that I I don't and can't seem to comprehend. So this laptop, this laptop sold for one point three million, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. If the artist is still alive, what the hell? Art isn't supposed to be really expensive until oh, the guy right. dies,
2: right? Oh, I see. I see. I see. I, I like I don't know.
3: I don't. I don't get it. I don't
2: know. I don't know, Jason. Well, on that 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 exciting note,
0: I think we've we've finished the news for the night. (laughs) We're almost at two hours. We may as well call it a night. Uh, So if you're watching us, you already know this, but uh, the second and fourth Wednesday of every month, you can either watch us live or you can expect us to produce an episode that you can download in your podcast app and listen to us on the go. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash podcast, and uh, hit the notification icon. You'll know when we go live. Um, I'm hoping that next time we record, we will have a new method in place that lets us, gives us a little more flexibility than Hangouts On Air does. And Jason is changing the thing that I'm trying to read to you as I'm trying to read it do I have to I copy this in the, into freaking Vim again
2: <laughs> <laughs> I saw that at the corner I'm like what's that flashing over Butter. there
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right if, if you'd like to join the conversation uh, you can find our slack workspace at iron system sysadmin, iron com slash slack you can find us on Facebook and Twitter just look for iron Sysadmin. Um, and you can subscribe to us wherever you normally find podcasts. And uh, don't forget, if you want to support the show, you can do so via Patreon. Patreon.com slash Uh I've been your host, Nate. You can find me on Twitter at Gangriff. Uh, Jason and Dustin, you want to let people know where they can find you if they want to? Or you can both sure. not
3: speak. <laughs> I was muted. Uh, I was am on uh on the twitters uh and i have a blog at blog.godshell.com
2: yeah i can be found on the twitters and things agent 66 the word 60 and the figure six uh find me on keybase and don't look at my blog because there's nothing there (laughs)
0: that's right we are we are all on keybase aren't we if you want to exchange super private messages with us
2: <laughs> oh, hey! Wait we ha- we have a team on Keybase too. If if you if you don't we like, do but listen.
0: We only base, have we, we d- if you. we have too many ways for people to reach us, we won't have everybody in one place.
3: <laughs> uh, we have a team we on Keybase. Yeah, I <laughs> up
0: no, no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget to check out the Darknet Diaries podcast. It really is a fun Indeed. show. And uh, if if the interview with Jack didn't convince you, um, and our uh, uh, um, endorsement of the show doesn't convince you then I don't know what's going to help you. You should really check the show out it's, it's great And With that, I think we're done for the night So thanks everybody for watching live Thank you for listening to the show after the fact if you're doing it that way and we will catch you in two weeks Have a good night folks Not all
4: Good night